Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. You're listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. Tune in every week to hear honest conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. My mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate through recovery and expand your personal growth. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome. I am your host and Sober Girl, Jessica Jabot. So what do you do when a fellow sober sister messages you about being a recovered misogynist? Well, you bring them on the podcast. Jen is an amazing mom and talented author. She articulates her childhood trauma and explains what led her to become a misogynist in the first place. Through healing and through spirituality, she explains how she went from a wounded woman to a recovered woman. This is a great Great story, you guys. Let's go. Jen, awesome. So excited to hear your story. Yes. Very yes, excited. <laughs> you know, you, you message me on Instagram, and I have to say, I didn't understand. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I was intrigued. I was like, what does, what is you, what are you all about? Misogyny. I have to have you on the, yeah, I have to have you on the podcast to talk about this. A female so, that hates females. Yeah. Especially what in today's trip. society when everyone's like, like, women supporting women, women, you know. Right. But, but it wasn't always like that. No, very far. Especially for it. you. Yeah. Yes. So can we just get right into it? Like what? Sure. Take us back to like the beginning. Take us back to the old, the di- old skates. Back to the old school dinosaur days. So <laughs> my name is, <laughs> I'm pretty old girl. So my name no. is Jen and I yeah. am a uh, recovering a million things. I'm recovering from many, Ooh. many things. Um, okay. I, uh, messaged you because my story is a little bit different than um, I see a lot of, but when I do share it, mm-hmm. I do hear 
from women that are like, whoa, you know, I relate to that. I think, especially like you said, with women right now, um, there's a lot of feminist um, movement, a lot of feminists um, coming out and, and being vocal about it. It's not all about, you know, women's power. It's moms, wives, mm-hmm. you know, saying, hey, you know, like we find strength in our femininity. That is something that's very important to me. I think mm-hmm. that women that didn't always start off that way, which is what I'm going to share with you now, um, my story, but I think we are afraid to speak about that because it's like, what a betrayal of right. other women. We're afraid of being judged to say, hey, I live a lot of my life not having any respect for women, including okay. myself. Right. So um, what got me there uh, is, you know, it's been a very long road. Um, mm-hmm. But I, uh, when my parents, when I was about two and a half, my parents joined a religious cult. And me, our family, and about 35 other young families moved from Santa Barbara all the way to Mobile, Alabama to join this. It was like a big religious movement in the 70s. Okay. And it was was very much. It was was just a regular church named Gulf Coast Covenant Church. It started off, I think, with good intentions, you know, pure intentions. They wanted to raise families in a like God fearing environment, wholesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jim Jones and the Guyana tragedy Mm -hmm. where they all drank the Kool-Aid and all they, all these families, it happened years ago, but it was very similar. It starts off with a fanatic type pastor leaders, whatever. Right. I think, you know, people in religious positions have a lot of power. Uh, You know, nobody fears probably anything more than someone who believes in God than going to hell. So that type of fear and spiritual warfare, um, it it holds a lot of power over people. So we all left um, our natural blood families and Mm -hmm. moved to Mobile, Alabama. We all lived in the same area. All the kids went to the same schools. We did not speak to any other outside people. We ate at the same, uh, we bought our food from the same co-op. It was, everyone looked the same. We weren't allowed to watch cartoons, celebrate Halloween. You know, I I mean, you know, it got worse Hmm. and worse. So what happened is, um, the the power the power hungriness and the control became worse and worse as the years went on. My dad was in mm-hmm. construction. We didn't make a lot of money. Part of being a member of that church meant you had to tithe ten percent of your income every week to the church. And oh, my dad wow. could not afford my dad could not afford that. Okay. So the you know, one of the elders, what they, they call people elders and shepherds. It's very bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. When I was about five years old, brought me into his office and, um, started sharing with me how special I was. And, um, you know, that I was his special girl. And, you know, this is a man that we saw that was closer to God than any right. of us could ever be. And right. I 
um, it progressed into, you know, he molested me for until I was nine years old. And he oh molested gosh. me in replace for my dad's tithing. Oh, Jesus. And what <sighs> happens when you're a kid and you're thrown into adult situations like that, you yeah. know, I, I didn't, I had no, I had no grasp of what was happening. What I did right. feel was honored because okay. I felt like I was doing what good girls do. I was doing what right. God wanted me to do. I was keeping my family from being excommunicated, going to hell, you know, right. like a zillion things. And, um, you know, the, the church itself was very female oppressed. It was right. as a lot of things that, you know, it happens a lot when, when there's organized religion not, and not, and I have nothing against God. In fact, I have a very strong faith, but organized religion, you have a man in charge. So sometimes those right. men read the Bible and, and interpret it and misrepresent it to fit their need. So they mm. would re, you know, the women obey your husbands that, you know, submit to your husbands. This was taken to an extreme that right. women shrunk themselves right in front of me, right. you know, to, to do obey their husbands and obey the sh other men in the, in the, in the fellowship. Right. So my, my, my outlook on women from the gate was yeah. pretty bad. I mean, I really yeah. thought that women were the lesser of the sex and they were, you know, it was our duty to be obedient. And I then also myself being molested, you know, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it for, for a long time. Right. But, but when I would have to leave the office and pull my Sunday dress down and act like nothing happened. Right. That's the part that started to really weigh on me. It's the secret. It's not what happens. Right. It's that I kept the secret. You know, it's mm. you don't realize the weight, the magnitude of your silence when you're a child that it bears on your self-worth until later. <laughs> so, right. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So when we were not when I was nine. Uh, there was a man yeah. that started coming around to save and rescue the families from this situation. It got, okay. it started getting, I think other families outside, you know, blood relatives are starting to get concerned, worried, fearful for, you know, nobody's talking to anybody. We're all just disappeared. Right. So this man started coming around to help people escape. And my dad, mm -hmm. um, I guess my dad had, you know, everyone was abused in some way psychologically right. you know um he decided you know we were out of there we were coming back to california and i mean i remember okay. all these children that i grew up with that were like that we called brother and sister no one was there we just no one said goodbye i didn't say goodbye to anybody we just were gone and that seemed very strange to me you right. know i didn't quite understand why yeah. so years later but it did seem strange to me so we came back to california and uh, another issue with with women is my my mother. I um, my mom is severely mentally ill. 
Okay. And when we moved back to California, she really took a a downward spiral. Her her mental health went went down the tubes pretty bad. She's always okay. been had issues. Um but when we left Cal- to California, it really really took a bad turn. She um you know, she's not capable of uh loving. She was okay. not capable of loving me or you know, um, she was always trying to kill herself and, um, oh, wow. she always left, you know, it was always me to find her, me to stop her. You know, I was right. a kid, you yeah. know, and, uh, what was her diagnosis? Her. Well, she's bipolar, okay. uh, which is just such a general umbrella. Um, but right. she's bipolar. She has Munchausen syndrome. Okay. I don't know if you know what Munchausen syndrome or no. Munchausen by proxy is. It's no. it's like it's um where it's kind of like those stories where you see people on the news, you know, in the surveillance cameras where they're holding the pillow over the baby right to the point of the alarms going off, and then all the nurses run yeah. in, and they take the pillow away, and it's they've saved the baby. It's okay. like an attention-seeking illness they right. get. Out of being sick, she has Munchausen, which means she creates illnesses in herself. And she has by proxy, which means she inflicts illnesses onto a child. And she actually does not do that to me. She did that to my brother. I have a little one brother. Okay. I was not, um, you know, my mom, uh, her, and she also has a lot of eating disorders. She, okay. her, uh, sunlight when you're in her good graces is intoxic- intoxicating. You are the sun yeah. and the moon and the stars to her. The problem right. with that is that it, it is very unsafe because at any moment she will pull that from you and, right. um, you will be nothing. So I kind of started figuring that out pretty young. So I stopped trying to be in her sunlight as much. Right. And, uh, so she kind of left me alone and went to my brother. My brother also has yeah. mental illness and I, you know, <clears throat> probably hereditarily and also just the way that he is, you know, if, if he were a minor and this were happening right now, my mom would be probably in prison for, for what she has done. You know, he's a victim wow. of hers, but you know, this is years ago and everyone's, right. you know, grown up now and whatever. Um, so, you know, I, when your mom doesn't love you and that's just the reality of it, it's not her fault and right. it's not my fault, but she's just mentally ill. But I've right. had this mother shaped hole in my heart. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, I tried to be good enough, skinny enough because she has also severe eating disorders. Yeah. Um, I tried to be skinny enough, pretty enough, smart enough. You know, I was never enough to make her want to live. Right. So that, that weighs on you. Oh, and so there's another example of a woman that, you know, she's another example, poor, I hate to say poor example of what a woman is for me. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of information about daddies and daughters you know, fatherless daughters, daughters with daddy syndromes to go searching out for, you know, husbands like their dads, you know, there's not as much about moms and daughters. And I think it's because it's really not. I mean, in yeah, I've done a lot of research recently in writing 
And I mean, it's, it's pretty slim. And yeah. I think it's because number one, you know, we're sold this myth that a mom can't love, you know, has a problem, you know, like it's, you know, impossible for a mother to not love her children. That's bullshit. Right. Because, you know, when I talk about it, when I share about it, you should see the amount of women mm -hmm. that come forward with the same thing. Either their mothers are alcoholics or mentally ill, narcissistic. This mm -hmm. happens. But it again goes to, you know, like the betrayal of a woman against a woman. You know, yes. it's like we don't want to speak on that because that's like the ultimate betrayal, right? To hate other it, women or to. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. No, you're right. So it, nobody it wants is. to talk about it. It really yeah. is. So, you know, it's it's difficult to talk about. It's difficult for me to talk about. Even, you know, I. I it's my own mother. So I do feel, right. you know, a mom can say that they're a good mom and we don't question much. But when a dad right. says he's a good dad, we want to know, oh, really? Well, how much time do you spend with them? Do you, are you supporting right. them? What kind of money right. do you make? Are you on the phone? Exactly. On your, you know, texting the whole time you're with them. We want to know all these prerequisites. Like we want proof. But a mom right. says I'm a good mom and we just, yeah, we just follow it. But right. there are mothers. Because that's that what are women are supposed capable. to be. Right. It is. But unfortunately, yeah. there are women that are not capable of loving their children. My mom is one. Right. I mean, there's just no other way around it. So, you know, yeah. like I said, it's it's difficult to talk about, especially when there's mental illness involved, because mental illness is an illness. So it's not her fault. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right. not it's not like you know, she just went out and used drugs and decided to just abandon me and party. She's mentally ill. She just right. cannot help herself. She's abusive to herself. Exactly. You know, she, she doesn't even love herself. So, um, right. so all these things, <laughs> um, really yeah. built in me a hatred for women. Yeah. A disrespect for women. I hated that I was a woman. I've never been gender confused. I've never, you know, yeah. I've always known I'm a woman, you know, nothing right. like that. But I have had no respect for women. I just, I can't even tell you for how many years. I mean, my whole life yeah. almost until, you know, recently have I really worked on that when I became a mother, probably is right. when I really got down to it. But, um, so what I did do is, uh, you know, I, it's kind of weird to say, but I've been, I've, I've been exhibiting addict, addict behavior long before I ever even knew what drugs were or alcohol was, you know, when I was okay. with, the, with the elder, I would leave my body mm -hmm. and I would drift off into imagination, disassociate, whatever you want to, you know, technical term, but it's right. that escaping pain. I can, ex I made escaping pain in art. I mean, I don't know wow. how else to say it. I've never yeah. been one to face pain. I can okay. disassociate from my body. I, you know, it's a survival skill, really. Right. But yeah. it's unfortunately, it's a survival skill that almost killed me in the end. But as wow. a child, it was the way I survived. I would leave my body. Right to him and I would escape an imagination when my mom would 
be, you know, paranoid or have hallucinations or, you know, all these things, I would like be on robot mode. So these like, I would numb out without substance, really. Right. And, uh, you know, I started picking up my own eating disorders from my mom. You know, my mom, mm-hmm. as an adult, I take full responsibility for for all of my my uh, destructive behavior. And unfortunately, I also took responsibility for things that were not mine to carry as a kid, mm-hmm. you know. But since, yeah. you know, being in recovery and all kinds of stuff, you know, I've learned what is not mine and what is. But, you know, I watched my mom and her eating disorders and I picked up on it, man, you know. Right. Um, I'm one that I grew up and repeated the behaviors that I saw. I repeated right. abuse, abusing women. I repeated abusing myself. I repeated, you know, all that stuff. I didn't grow up in revolt of it, you know. Right. So yeah. I started, you know, I think when I was, you know, like around 12. Things got real bad for me. Um, okay. At home, they were really bad. Inside myself, they were really bad. I think my hormones came to play because you start to get mm-hmm. these sexual, you know, crushes, whatever. On, and then all these thoughts about what a dirty girl I was, how perverted I must have been. Because when you don't okay. talk about something and you keep a secret, you start to believe you're a participant. Right. I was... So I was a participant in in some dirty shit as a child. So who does that unless you're a really perverted person? Right. It got it got to be a lot. And I'll remember when I was 12, I was at a friend's house and they had vodka. Mm -hmm. And I drank vodka for the first time. And I'm telling you, girl, it was I remember my friend getting silly and stupid and laughing and I got fucking quiet. It was the first piece oh. of mind that I had ever felt in my life. The really? voices shut up. Yep. It yeah. was like freedom. The shame wow. that I felt. I was so stoked in shame. I mean, yeah. I just, it was just, I was drowning in it. Just the voices went mm-hmm. quiet. The shame. I, it was like just. Nothing. I mean, you know, I think that the pain was getting so bad for me that I was not able to escape it anymore on my own. And it's right. possible I may have followed in my mom's footsteps and I may have tried to kill myself. I mean, it was that much, that much wow. hatred of myself, that much, you know, I still, I had never told my parents anything about the abuse that had happened. We weren't oh, allowed to Jesus. talk about anything that happened with my mom. Because those are secrets right. you keep between in a family. You know, we'd pick her up from these mental hospital stays and act like nothing because no one wants to upset mom. So we don't talk right. about it. We just carry on. Oh. No one sits you down and says, honey, this is what's happening. Or right. honey, it's not your fault. Right. You know, you think it is your fault. Of course. I believed a lot of times it was my fault because, you know, I, I you know lied about something or I stole a piece of candy, you know, whatever. And then mom tries to kill herself the next day. You just think that and no one talks to you about it. Right. That's why in my house now with my children, we talk about everything because I think that the silence about stuff is what fucking kills people. Yeah. More than anything. Absolutely. 
Yeah. It's the silence. The silence creates shame and it creates questions and confusion. And for children, especially creates them imagining. It's like a way to like make sense of shit that doesn't make sense. Right. And not I mean, all kids assumptions are just running rampant. Stuff. Right. Yeah. And not all kids imagine happy stuff. I wasn't imagining right. like unicorns and rainbows. I was imagining it was that I was killing my mom or that it was my fault she wouldn't eat or that it was my fault that, you know, we were going to leave, go to hell because my dad couldn't pay. And it, and it was my duty. I mean, these are heavy things for a little Jesus. girl. Yeah. Right. So oh my I, God. I look at, I look at pictures of myself as a child and I feel so disconnected to her. And yeah. I I have worked so hard on it. I mean, I the, from how from where I was to where I am today is incredible, really. I mean, I don't even yeah. realize it till I sit down and talk to somebody about it, but it's a miracle. But when I look at pictures of her still, mm-hmm. and I even call her her sometimes, see that? I yeah. I just it's weird, right? <laughs> but yeah, I feel it's like looking. I it's like looking at a stranger. But yeah. what I do is I sit with that picture and I'll sit with that feeling and I just hug her in my mm-hmm. mind. I, you know, because I thank her for everything that she's survived because she deserves it. You know, I mean, I, she's survived so much and she made me who I am today. Like everything I've ever been through, I wouldn't take one single minute back. Not one. Because every single minute, I'm built by that today. Right. Truly, I wouldn't. And, and I mean, I know people say that sometimes, you know, and you have to, I've really, really dissected it and really, really, like, come on, Jen. You'd really go yeah. through that again with that, you know, man. And yes, I would. Because I might not be who I am today if I even missed one, one minute of that. Right. And I thank her for that because I I do feel a disconnection. You know, it's it's strange to to say, but anyways, so I drank the vodka. <laughs> felt instantly oh threw up. Threw up, threw up, threw up, <laughs> threw up. And I wanted to do it again for, for the rest every day for the rest of my life. And that's what I did. I mean, oh, I wow. threw up. My friend woke up and she was like sick and like that you know, like, I'm sure that was fun, but this sucks. I'm like, where's the bottle? Oh, I do not want to ever be myself again. Where is the bottle? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was 12. Oh my Come God. On. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty Holy. much what I did. I mean, my addiction started with alcohol and I drank and I drank and I drank and I drank until alcohol stopped working. And in a weird you know, twist of fate, bad luck, however you want to see it. I had to have a wisdom mm-hmm. tooth pulled and they gave me Vicodin. Oh, and, uh, and I, I was a breeding ground for an addiction, man. I mean, depression, yeah. you know, shame, childhood trauma, um, alcoholism already, you know, all that the eating disorders, you know, self-loathing. Right. Boom, you give me Vicodin and that was on. I mean, I yeah. had every wisdom tooth pulled <laughs> unneededly. Oh, I yeah. had my knee drained. I had 
got, you know, you, I doctor shopped and ER hopped, you know, until, oh I mean, I was running out of resources, you know, right. I had headaches, so the well ran migraines. Dry. Oh, the well ran dry. And yeah. so that led me to, um, you know, Vicodin led me to Oxycontin, Oxycontin led me to street dealers and the pain and just absolute torture of withdrawal led me to heroin. You know, mm. heroin is a lot cheaper. Yeah. And um, it was just, you know, again, by chance, somebody didn't have the oxys and I was way low on money and uh, mm -hmm. they had heroin and a needle. And, and you know, there's lots of yet. Well, at least I, you know, I haven't used a needle yet or there's no more yet right. for me. You know, I am, I was for many years a junkie on the street. I've eaten from trash cans. I have, um, I mean, want to get really down and dirty, you know. I have used socks for for pads because I didn't have tampons. You know, I've done. Oh I've robbed everybody and everywhere, in and yeah. out of jail. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. Dope stick all the time. Just ugh, horrendous. You know, how does that happen to somebody? Like, yeah. sure, I have childhood trauma. You know, sure, there's, there's things. But we were a regular family as far as, you know, economically, um, educationally. Right. We prayed at dinner, you know, I mean, how does somebody grow up like that and then end up on the street? I mean, I was one of those people you see on the movies, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. And addiction does not discriminate. It just doesn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, no I, matter how hard you just, pray. I'm telling you, you can pray and, you know, yeah, it just does not discriminate. And, um. When I was, uh, see, I finally ran the loop of, of county jail out and I ended up in prison. Okay. Um, I was sentenced to four years of prison. For what? And, um, for what? Yeah. For drug chart, for selling heroin, drug charges, receiving stolen property. Okay. I came in on like 11 warrants. So I had like all these violations of probations, you know. I'd be in court, okay. but prior to that, you know, if a judge tells me, if you, as long as you say you're going to go to this program, we'll let you out today. Right. I signed for everything. You're going to let me out today? Sure, I'll be there. Yeah. I never right went. on. <laughs> you know, fuck, right. I'm out, you know, and I'm dope sick still. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would say, you know, I don't get much, I don't get into politics too much and all this stuff, but I would say, right. you know, after the first slap on the wrist, they really need to start putting people in long-term programs. Right, right off the gate because they give you these like outpatient, outpatient, outpatient. Then maybe 
maybe 30 days, you know, I mean, it, I was so damaged from my childhood and then from all the years in addiction Mm -hmm. and, um, that I really needed years to clear out my head, to even hear a message of recovery. Like I needed a long time. I do not think that prison is a place to get recovery. Right. Prison is full of, uh, you know, there's women there that have done the most horrific shit, not even loaded. Right. You know, not even having using as, as an, as an explanation. As an excuse. Yeah. Just straight up sober and evil, (laughs) you know, bad. And they're continuing to live that way in prison. But prison for me gave me enough time to clear my head. I used in prison. But even though there is drugs in prison, it's not like on the streets. You know, it's harder to come by. And on May 1st, 2011. But there is still drugs in prison? Oh, fuck yeah. One thing about being in prison. Oh, yeah. I was a tobacco runner. So I had a job in prison that allowed me to leave the gates of the prison. I collected, I drove, uh, I operated a forklift. This is lovely. And operated a forklift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Operated a forklift to take recyclables from the dumpsters. So I would use the forklift, load up the recyclable, carry it back across the prison gates with with an officer that walked with us. And then I would sort out by hand the plastic from the, yeah. This is like prison life, okay? But this is a job from heaven because what happened is other people in prison had their outside people drop tobacco in the uh. dumpsters. I would bring it back through, hide it at the warehouse, and then bring it across. So I had drugs accessible because I would trade tobacco because I'd get some right. tobacco out of the load. But it is so fucking dangerous because anybody can say, oh, yeah, dude, I, yeah, girl, I dropped that load there. It should have been there. What the fuck? Right. Did that bitch steal it? They will kill you for that. Oh, my God. I mean, God. they will kill you for tobacco over there in prison. What? So I think about how, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or they'll rape I guess they have nothing to lose. <gasps> no. Oh, oh yeah, they God. do. I mean. Everything there is about disrespect. If they feel, if someone feels disrespected or if you get disrespected and you don't do something about it, something drastic, then you just give yourself a jacket of being a bitch and everybody's going to see you as a victim and they're going to prey on you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Holy fuck. And again, there carries on my right. hard ass. I'm not a soft woman. Women are shit. You know, yeah. There, it just everyone's out on. to get you. Yeah. Yep. And it just carried oh. on and carried on. And I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, so on May 1st, 2011 is my, my queen date. I was sitting okay. in prison and prison is very loud and noisy. There's very little quiet. But all uh-huh. I can say is that for a moment, all the sound like left the room. I get chills still. I mean, it's a very yeah. bizarre story, but all the sound left the room for a minute. And I heard four words. I heard them. I felt them. I smelled them almost. I don't know how else to explain it, but it said, this is your life. Yeah. And at Whoa. first I looked around and realized this is my life. Like this is going to be the rest of my life is in prison, in and out if I don't die. Right. It is in and out of prison. <laughs> I'm 34. I think I was 34 years old. I had nothing to show for myself except for a locker full of fucking soup. You know, really. Oh, for a full my of God. And chips and shit. Yeah. You know, I had lots of stuff because I sold tobacco. So chips and shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, that was my life at 34. I mean, that's it. Then yeah. the next sensation I got was this is my life. This is my fucking life. Like, yeah. I need to take this shit back. Yeah. And from that moment on, I never used again. <laughs> now, Whoa. had I been on the streets and completely strung out, that story would probably have been different. Because like I said, right. when I'm using, man, it takes me a long time to even hear a message of normalcy. Like when I'm using, right. I can't, I lose the ability to read full sentences. I'm not even kidding. I could not read right. anymore. So like, Whoa. that story would have been different. But I was in prison. I'd been there long enough and I did not use anymore after that. I would like to say that my hatred towards women, my sexism, my misogyny, I mean, I really disrespected women and did there, but it Whoa. didn't, you know, re- okay. I did not open up like a flower <laughs> when I got into recovery. Yeah. I did not. It, when you take away the drugs and the alcohol and my coping skill that has made helped me survive i'm a fucking mess for a long time and you know i see these girls that you know they're like posting pictures of them sipping tea in the sunshine day 11 i'm like what the fuck (laughs) dude that is like so awesome and i'm so (laughs) clapping for you but that is not my story at all like dude like say what Fuck your coffee cup. Fuck everybody. I don't have, yeah. you know, I'm a raw open wound. And it has taken me years to get through all that. Like to travel back through all right. my shit. And I have to tell you that even though I'm an adult, you know, and I am a grown woman, that when I travel back through my pain, it always leaves me at the feet of my mom. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important that I talk about it. Because even though I'm a grown woman, 
I'm a motherless daughter and there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about that. You can heal from that, but there's also something to be said that there is a reason to need healing. It's okay to say that your mother hurt you. (laughs) The world will not fall apart. Right. Nobody's going to swallow you whole. You are not a um, traitor of all women. Right. You know, this is reality. It's reality for a lot of women. And I want people to yeah. know that we can speak about our pain without being uh, victims or, or playing the blame game right. or be a burden. Right. You know, people feel that if they talk about their pain or if they speak about things that hurt them as a child, that you're blaming all that on, on the choices you've made as an adult. No, I'm not blaming anything. I made choices as an adult that were my choices to make. However, the pain that I've been running from was all the pain of my childhood. I don't, I've made amends for the things I've done as an adult. I I served my time. You know, I live a different way. I do my best to give back. But that shit, the stuff I did then, I don't, I don't hurt over, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Right. Yeah, I feel guilty sometimes about shit I did as an adult. That means I feel bad that I did a bad behavior. I feel shame over my childhood, which means that I am a bad person. And that is the difference. (laughs) Shame is the underlying emotion or whatever that most people that are recovering from addiction and alcoholism, which it's all the same to me. I just say addiction. Mm -hmm. Um that's what they're getting over, you know, the, the years of drowning in oceans of grief and anger and shame and confusion and silence and secret. You know, that's the shit that mm-hmm. we got to get through. Like you can, you can go to yeah. AA and NA and you can work the steps, but if you don't go all the way back to that, you're yeah. never going to be healed. You know, I don't want to just be sober. I want to be totally. healed and sober. <laughs> you know, oh I don't want to just. Oh, my God. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I mean, if the yes. goal was just not to drink or not to use, like, then I would have achieved that goal a long time ago. My goal is to be healed. Right. And, right. and that may be, that may be a lifelong journey. And that's okay. As long as I'm still doing it, you know, as long as I'm still working right. for it, towards it. You know, I. Yeah have children today. I have a five and a half year old son and I have an 18 month old daughter. And I, I want my children to be able to live without shame, without fear. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to be able to have their own stories and feel secure in their feet, in their, in their footing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm so blessed and grateful that I had my children after I got clean. Yeah. But I do not for one second, not even for one second, doubt that if if I were to choose to relapse, which it would be a choice today because I am clean, clear headed. Right. So I do have my choice back. Right. If I were to choose to relapse, that I would use in the face of my children and in the face of losing my children. Right. And that is hard to say, but that is the truth. Yeah. Because that is where addiction takes me. 
I would not use mm. and think that I don't care if I'm my children about my children, I'm going to use anyways. But when I use my addiction speaks to me in such an eloquent voice, my addiction speaks to me in a soothing, reassuring, convincing voice. And it tells Whoa. me that it tells me that everything is going to be fine and right. you're going to be an even better woman. And you're going to be able to reach even more people. It doesn't tell me, fuck your kids, fuck right. your fiance, fuck life. Right. No, because I wouldn't listen to that. You're right, it right, right. to me. It's a manipulative it to me fucker. <laughs> very, very. Right. Very. So that's where I know that if I were to open that beast up again, that's what I call her is a mm. beast, my addiction. <laughs> If I were to wake that bitch up again, she would tell me that using is going to make me an even more loving mom. Mm. It wouldn't tell me to go party because I don't use to party. I use to survive. Right. I'm not a I'm not one of those that goes and drinks and to dance on the bar. I go drink to right. and end my suffering. Right. To shut up oh. the sh voices of shame, to sh close off the memories of being, you know, finger banged while I'm trying to memorize Bible verses at five years old. Oh my God. That is, that's oh. the shit I drink and use over. Right. And, and that's painful stuff. Jesus. Yeah. But that's, but this stuff happens, you know, like it happens more than people like to talk about because it's embarrassing. Right. It's also scary because you're speaking about secrets that you've been told that you never tell to anybody. And I'll, yeah. let me go back. I was never, what's another thing about children is that I was never told verbally not to say anything. That man never oh. told me, don't tell your, never told me, don't tell your parents. Right. He never said, this is our secret. Right, he right, knew. Right. Somehow I just knew we, that's just not something that I would tell. I should tell. Right. I wouldn't be believed or I wouldn't be protected. But I right, thought right, right. I didn't tell because I liked it. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to 
OSEAMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. But as I went into some therapy, I learned that the reason I didn't tell is because somehow my little girl mind knew I wouldn't be protected. I want my children to always know that I will believe them no matter what. Yeah. About stuff. So we talk about everything in my house, everything. My son can say he's mad at me. He can say, you know, in a respect, he doesn't tell me to fuck off. He's five and a half. But, you know, I mean, he can tell me, (laughs) mommy, you hurt my feelings. And you know what? I say, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Let's talk about it. Because it's so important. You know, in my family, no one ever said, don't tell anyone that your mom just went to the psych hospital again. But it was a undertone. We knew. You just knew. Yeah. Once that front door shuts behind you, that shit stays in there. Wow. And like that's the kind of terrible. Yeah. Terrible. So when you release that stuff, even at my age, which I'm old as hell, (laughs) it's I fucking am. I just turned 42 on the 10th. Oh, my God. You're not old. Dude. That is not old. I'm old. 42 is like the new 32. So zip it. (laughs) Okay. Well, then. Yeah, I feel better than I felt in my whole life. I'll tell you that. That's I would great. Not want to, oh, I, but, but I am old. But even at 42, it's a little bit nerve wracking to talk about this kind of stuff because it's, just, it's, right. I've been so, it's been so ingrained in me that you don't betray your family by speaking out. Like it's going to shame right. them somehow. But in the end, yeah. I'm the one killing myself. Yeah. So I have set boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. it's taken me a long time, but it's been almost a year that I've had to detach from my family. They're just, I love okay. them, um, yeah. from afar and yeah. I have forgiven them, but forgiveness does not mean reentry. Yeah. And that, that's something that's hard for them to understand. And it's hard for other people to understand. And that's something that sometimes people will give you shit for to say, but that's your blood family. That's your, right. I don't care. They are toxic yeah. and they are toxic to me. Then they're toxic to my children. And yeah. I will not, I'm not going to repeat that kind of shit for my children to grow up. You know, they're going to have enough of their own stuff right. from their own friends and the own, their own world. No matter what I do, they may grow up and use drugs. I don't know, but at right. least I want them to have a stable, solid foundation here at home. Yeah. You know, I slipped through the cracks for so many years at home because there's so much other shit going on. Like, but my behavior changed, you know, I never told anybody I was molested, but I had signs coming. I mean, red flags, huge red flags. Right. That nobody noticed because mom was always trying to kill herself or starve herself and pull out stomach tubes. And my brother was mentally ill and, and acting out. My dad's so codependent that he's just the victim, the walking victim that nobody saw anything. Right. And I don't want to, you know, I really have put my healing at the forefront because I don't want to be so consumed with old shit that I miss the signs with my own kids. Yeah. Because that can happen so easily. Just because I'm a parent doesn't mean I'm, I'm not a regular woman, you know? Right. And, and I have to tell you that it's taken me a long time, but today I, I'm so grateful to be a woman today. 
and I'm actually mm -hmm. stepping into feminism in my own way. You know, I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not going to grow my armpit hairs out or nothing, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, I, and yeah. I love men and I love yeah. men. And I think there's, a, there is a beautiful differences between us. And I want to, right. I think that there is so much strength in a woman's softness. Yes. That is something that I think we've kind of lost a little bit in our, in our mm -hmm. fight to gain equality. And, and I yes. honor those women that fought for that and still fight for that. But I'm kind mm -hmm. of called towards a different avenue. Like I want us to be nurturers that we are and still see right. that as powerful. Yeah. Like we have such a different, uh, gifts we are, we're gifted with such different gifts and i i feel like i want to bring those out you know yes and so that's what i've been doing i think maybe having a daughter too has helped you know like really yeah. push me like i i just um i've been really horrible to women and i and i've watched them get beat beaten up and i've laughed and i've mm. participated in horrible derogatory jo jokes Mm -hmm. and and slander and you know calling people sluts and, and just horrible things and and the the truth of it is all, every time i did that it hurt me yeah because how could it not right you know how could it not I, here i am a woman and i'm trying to pretend and that i'm a different kind of woman you know I, right. i'm like a down ass woman i'm a hardcore woman I'm a woman yeah. who will fight anybody that comes across my path, but I was just a wounded woman. Really? Right. You know, yeah. and I just, I don't feel that today. I just feel, you know, I feel free. I feel free amazing. from, it really fucking is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still, you know, I, I, it's a day by day. And I, and I work through stuff every day. And I think that, you know, I've really buckled down and got neck deep in the shit and it was painful. And, and yeah. it's, it's not that it's not painful anymore, but it was really painful to face all that stuff. But there's so much power in pain. I cannot even tell you like yeah. the power to change your life seriously is all contained in the pain that you're trying to avoid. <laughs> Is that not bizarre? Absolutely. No. No, 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 no. That is so true. Like, it is 1,000%. Yeah. Oh, that's like the key Here to life. We, that's the secret. That's the fucking secret to life secret. right there. It, it yeah. is a secret. Stop and, avoiding your pain. And I think pain. that we need to start straight up. And here we're trying to survive by numbing it out, avoiding it, mm -hmm. drinking it out, fucking it out lying it out, shopping it out, getting, yeah. you know, spending money, getting boob jobs, whatever we're trying to do to avoid the one thing that will fucking free us. Yeah. It's the pain. And, you know, I, I really feel like we should be able to heal out loud without feeling like burdens. Yeah. I don't think we need to heal in our closets anymore. Or cry no. in the shower. I don't think we Ugh. need to pretend that things are perfect when they're not. Yes. I don't think we need to pretend we're tough when we're not. Or that not being tough means that we're weak. Because it doesn't. Yeah. 
I just feel like we need to voice these things that are harbored inside so many fucking women who are too ashamed to talk about it. Because once we do, I mean, I can't even tell you when I share something that I feel like is like, whoa, too much. The amount mm-hmm. of women that message me and say, holy shit, my mom was the same way. Or God, I felt this way about this. Or, you know, I was a prostitute mm-hmm. or whatever their story is. It doesn't matter. Like our story is going to be so fucking different, but it all comes down right. to the same shit. Totally. You know, maybe you didn't use heroin. Maybe you, you only drank beers or maybe you never went to prison or maybe you were in a insane asylum it doesn't even fucking matter like addict alcoholic whatever it's all the same shit we're all just trying to run from the pain whatever that pain is we just don't want to feel it and i get it dude i get it i've wasted my whole fucking life running from it but if i could just you know i want to show you and show everyone that i am proof Living proof that if you face it and you get through the shit, that it will free you. Yeah. Like, I could tell you that, and I wrote a book, and I wrote about it, and you can read it, but I don't think, you know, you got to see it. You got to feel it. Yeah. And I hope that people can see it in me and see it in my children and see it in my life today and feel it from me that... You know, it truly has freed me from all that, that shit. And it's not that life's right. perfect. And it's not that I feel a hundred percent secure in who I am. And I still work on myself every day. Right. And, you know, there's still things and nothing is ever going to be perfect. And actually every time life kind of shifts, new things come up and new yeah. things kind of shift. And, and one thing that maybe was bothering me a lot, it goes away and then something new comes forward. As long as I just keep facing the shit and as long as I keep walking through it slow it doesn't even matter as long as I keep walking through it I know that there will be freedom like I know because it's because it's been proven to me time and time again you know God God has never left my side the God I have today is not the God that they tried to portray, portray him to be he is mm-hmm. not a God that wanted me to go to hell or wanted me to be perverted or any of that shit. Right. You know, he did not, he's not a God that, you know, can, my mom is not mentally ill because she's being punished for some past life regression, you know, whatever. Right. You know, I feel like I've been saved so many times. I'm not a super religious person, but I am okay. a spiritual gangster like a motherfucker. <laughs> I am so spiritually fit. It's disgusting. Yeah. Like I'm not, I have, <laughs> I've been it's to disgusting. church a couple of times. It's fucking That's disgusting. Amazing. You'll want to throw up all over me because my faith and like my spirituality is like vomit style. Like I, <laughs> there's no other reason for me to be alive today, girl. None. Yeah. Like I should be dead a million fucking times over. Seriously. <laughs> Oh I mean, my God, I, I inject, love that. I inject in my neck meth and heroin together. Jesus. I don't. Yeah. I have track marks still to this day on both sides of my neck after eight. Almost, I'll be on eight years, May 1st. So. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm it's I amazing. hard. Yeah. It is a miracle. And it doesn't have to yeah. mean that it's the God of the Christian God or if it's the universe, whatever it is that people believe in. 
I believe mm-hmm. in that. I am so spiritual. Like, you know, church, organized church makes me a little nervous. I went to mm-hmm. church recently and I almost left. And then the speaker started talking. Brene Brown started quoting Brene Brown. Yeah. And it was like, God spoke to me. And I sat back oh. down. Cause you start talking Brene that's Brown. That's cool. My ass wants to hear, right? Yes. That's and very that's cool. Spir- I was about to leave because not because of any other reason other than just the atmosphere of church makes me nervous. I get started shake. My body started shaking. Yeah. And I started feeling those feelings. And I just, uh-huh. instead of leaving, you know, which I normally do, I, I said a little prayer just for God to be with me and remind me that feelings aren't facts and I'm bring me to the present. And I swear to you the next mm-hmm. second she quoted, you know, she recited a quote from Brene Brown about vulnerability. Two of my most mm. favorite things, most favorite subject. Boom. I sat my ass down and I sat through yeah. it. And, you know, spirituality is what it is. Right. I don't know how people live without it, but I come, come to my house and I'll give you some. Cause it's fucking <laughs> overflowing up <over> here. <laughs> it's overflowing over here. You can have spirituality for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Sometimes people go on my Instagram preach and I'm like, girl, it's church up in here. And it's not God talk. It's not like, you know, I'm not reciting Bible verses, but it's spirituality talk. You know, it's church up in here. It's the church of the holy heroine addict. (laughs) (laughs) It's the church of the recovering junkie. Right. (laughs) I'm pastor junkie. Nice to meet you. Pastor (laughs) junkie. Yeah. We're getting down oh, to church. Wow. So yeah. That so there's my story. Is amazing. Pretty much. Holy cow. <laughs> that in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. That was intense. That was <laughs> I mean when it you started church, talking baby. about when you yeah, when you started talking about yourself as a little girl and basically <laughs> like disassociating from her, like a, yeah. looking at her like a stranger. Yeah. Oh my god, I started crying. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's rough, man. Oh my man. god. <laughs> yeah. I I can't even sometimes, imagine. And and look at you I now, try to though, tell like, women that. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. I try to tell women that that have a hard time facing the stuff that they went through as a child and Yeah. It is hard to go back to, but I always try to encourage them. You know, maybe you were wounded and hurt and abused or not loved or, you know, mm-hmm. gosh, my story's rough, but I've heard some, I've heard some far more traumatic stuff before. Mm-hmm. And I just try to encourage them to, you know, I, to hold that little girl mm-hmm. the way that she should have been held and to love her the way that she should have been loved. And it heals. You know, I, yeah. in my process of writing my book, I have laid, so many little girls from my childhood, my phases of childhood mm. to rest. Yeah. It's almost like I buried them and yeah. I kissed them on the forehead and I thank them for every phase that they have survived through and everything that they've made me today. And I've taken from them what was, what is mine to take, what is something that is important for me to carry on with me that mm. has helped build me to, to be who I am. And I yeah. leave the rest. You know, there's a lot of wow. stuff I carried I had no business carrying. Yeah. And 
And, you know, you don't want to live in that pain. You know, you want to feel the pain, let it visit you, as they say, and Mm -hmm. then let it leave. You know, I could sit here and rehash and rehash every horrible thing and just sit and wallow in the the abuse. That's that's not what I'm doing. You know, I am dissecting it. I I go back. I went back to my past. I go back to it for the purpose of speaking to other women. But I don't go back to it for myself unless I feel something comes up that I need to. But I've gone back there. I've searched under the ruins, under every stone. I've left no stone unturned. I've taken the things that are mine that have made me a stronger woman. And the rest of that shit, I burnt that shit. Yeah. It is burned to the fucking ground. The white picket fence and the bullshit is burnt. Because it's no, I, I mean, you know, they say the past is a place to visit, not to leave, to stay. Yeah. You got to yeah, go sure there. Shit can't live don't there. Don't fucking stay there. No. <laughs> yeah. Can't live there. Uh-uh. No, you cannot. And if you try, it's fucked. Yeah. You can not try. Work out and, for and, you. I, and that's, that's where the victim comes in. That's where that, the, the image of someone who's just always the victim walking wound. It's right. someone who's living there. Right. Who can't get past there because they're not facing it really. They're just kind of like, you know, wandering around. Like, who wants to wander around in that pain? Not me. I want to face it and I want to deal with it and I want to get over it, get through it, not over it, get through it. Yes. I have to be careful with my words because you don't want to say get over it, but yeah, you want to get through it and, and realize that that is the shit that makes you who you are today. Yes. That's wow. the shit that gives you your substance. That's that's the pain that creates the strength. Yeah. I, I'm grateful for all of it. Not grateful that, you know, it's unfortunate. And I feel sad for the little girl. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel sad for how I've chosen to deal with it and all, all the abuse I did to myself. Because I've abused myself way longer and way worse than anyone else ever did. Mm-hmm. But wow. I'm grateful for who I am today. And I, and I think that it's all because of all those things. I, I would be different if those things hadn't occurred and if I hadn't, you know, been through what I've been through. So right. I don't regret any of it. I don't wish. No, I you to, own that shit. I do. You I used straight to wish up it away. own it. Yeah. You have to. Of course. Who wouldn't want to wish that away? It. I used to wish it away. I used to pray, beg to God to kill me. I used to beg to God to make me not a woman. I mean, uh, so many things. And it's sad. It really is sad because I, you know, what a way to live. But yeah, I, I don't feel that way anymore. And And I don't think that you have to heal and you don't have to write a book or you have to speak to women or you have to say the fuck word or... You don't have to yeah. be like, you know, out there as I am. For me, this is how I feel. I'm not pushing anything. This is 100% from my gut. Yeah. What I feel I need to do and I want to do and who I want to be. You know, you don't have to do all that. You can just, you know, but the silence will fucking kill you. Yeah. The secrets will oh. kill you. The disowning yeah. of your truth will kill you. Yeah. One thousand yourself. Fuck, I abandon, yeah, abandoning yourself, all that, ugh, it will kill you. 
Yeah. If the drugs so, don't, that will. So that's it. Yeah, yeah, right. I will be doing my first pre-sale signed books at the event that we talked about on December 28th in Phoenix. It's the Recover okay. Out Loud uh, launch party. It's a sober event. I personally have never been to one. I've never even okay. had a mocktail. Okay. Ooh, okay. This is all new for me. So okay. it will be exciting if um, anybody is in the Phoenix area or would like to come to the Phoenix area. I'm flying out there. It's my first night away from my children. I'll be speaking. It's going to be, there'll be some other speakers, music, art. It's at the Unexpected Art Gallery in Phoenix. It's like, cool. I might even wear a fucking dress. Oh, shit. So it's a junkie in a dress. Okay. Okay. So watch out. <laughs> And um, if anybody wants to come, if you go to my Instagram, which is resurrection with a K underscore mm -hmm. of underscore me, there's a little button there for get tickets. It'll take you to Eventbrite. Um, and right now there is a code, uh, sober friend, all one word, all caps. It will give you 50% off the ticket price. Score. There we go. Deals, deals, deals. And there, I feel like a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get a warranty and for sure a hundred percent money back guarantee i will shove spirituality right down your throat there you go whether you like it or not <laughs> it's all about hope baby it's all yes. about hope oh my so god that thank you so much for so having awesome. me thank huh. you so much for sharing your story and jesus you're it, you're so beautiful Aww, you, like you really are the way so you much. talk the way you just process things like it's it's a horrible situation that you went through but jesus you made it so beautiful thank you it's been a long time yeah. but i feel you know it it's worth it so thank you so much for letting me share with you tonight of course of course thank you for being on here What an epic and amazing story. Just goes to show you, you never know what someone is going through. Unless they share it with you. Or they message you on Instagram. <laughs> You'll never know. So if you feel you have a story about recovery or anything in the realm, please feel free to slide into my DMs on Facebook or Instagram at a sober girl's guide. Definitely hit me up. Or check out the website, asobergirlsguide.com. We've got lots of amazing articles for you to read, lots of education, inspiration, you name it, we got it. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. We love to hear your feedback. Also, tag us on your Instagram posts and your stories. Love to know what you're doing while you're listening to the podcast. Are you working out? Are you hiking? Or are you just sitting in a nice quiet room with a nice mug of tea listening to the podcast? Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.